My name is Paul Taylor and this is In Pursuit of Hoppiness, the Spirit Series, a podcast about craft beer and distilleries on the Sunshine Coast. In this episode, I chat with a bloke by the name of Matt Hobson. He's one of the founders of Sunshine and Sons Distillery based at the Big Pineapple in Wombai. And you know that feeling you get after a couple of gin and tonics? Well, I got the same feeling listening to Matt talk about his life and dreams from fixing and selling aircraft right around the world to throwing it all in to join his mates and start a distillery. At times, the combo made me quite giddy, in the best of ways, of course. And on the subject of being giddy and G&Ts, here is Matt Hobson from Sunshine and Sons. Matt Hobson, welcome. Good to be here, Paul. Now, you're, you're Sunshine and Sons. You're a distiller on the Sunshine Coast. Sunshine and Sons sounds like it's a name made for the Sunshine Coast. It's it's all of the Sunshine Coast, absolutely. We, yep. we we're, Our ambition is absolutely to be the quintessential Sunshine Coast brand mm-hmm. that's not only strong on the Sunshine Coast, but is, is meant to translate nationally and internationally. We want people, when they're thinking about what's to do and see and taste and drink on the Sunshine Coast, that Sunshine and Sons appears in that conversation, in that thinking. It's all about tropical, it's about holiday, it's about being at the coast. All those great feelings you get, if it, our imagery, our branding, it all comes back to that. The coast is key. Our tagline, the coast spirit, you'll see that on lots of our bottles and in our advertising. We're proud of that. We're proud of where we're from and, and we want other people to have access to that and to learn about it and fall in love with the coast like we're in love with the coast. Why are you in love with the coast? Oh, look, I... I I don't think you can get a better place in the world to live and work. You've got some of the best beaches in the world, the hinterland, the rainforest, and it's just got this, the the people make it great. It's an easy place to live. It's friendly. It's welcoming, just like the people. So to be here and be part of it, I think think tourists feel that. They feel that when they're here, and and I'm I'm absolutely certain they feel it when they get on those planes or in their cars and drive away that they're, they're, they're losing something. It's it's that iconic place. It, it just feels like a place that you can easily belong, and I, I just love that about the coast. I arrived here in 1978, and it took me 20-odd years to realise that when I drive from Brisbane to the Sunshine Coast, that that big green patch in the middle that's a pine forest yeah. actually is a real border. I just thought I was driving through the forest to get to the Sunshine Coast. But it's more than that. It's mentally a border. It's a time tunnel. It's something that makes me go, I'm in Brisbane, green pine trees. I'm on the Sunshine Coast. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. It certainly is. And, of course, you've got that. You're coming up to the Glasshouse Mountains, You this ancient landscape that welcomes you to the – you absolutely know you're somewhere special. And to come home with you flying back in from a business trip or a family trip, drive in or fly into the coast, like you say, those triggers that – you back where you belong, and I think those pine trees that you mentioned, absolutely, it's uh, it's like sort of no man's land. There's you pop out the other side, and yep, here here we are. We're on, we're back on the coast. It's all's good. It's so, all right, isn't it? It is. You so, know what's all right is what I'm drinking. You've pre-poured me a drink here. Look at the picture. This is this is beautiful. Talk to me about it. Well, this is our original dry gin. This is our biggest selling product currently. It goes all over Australia from the Sunshine Coast, which we're we're very proud of. Um, our business and that product was released in early 2020 at the very beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Not exactly a clever time to have convinced your wife to invest her, all of her money and all of yours in the business that we're passionate about. 
but our original dry gin, London dry gin in style, um, quite floral. It's got Tasmanian pepperberry, pink rose petal and Tasmanian lavender as those beautiful florals that you pick up on the nose. And we've made that today for you with some tonic, served as a gin and tonic with some lovely frozen pomegranate seeds, which ah. give it a little bit of colour and um, sure to impress at a barbie wherever you are around Australia. They're now obviously defrosting in the glass and they're bleeding now. They give a little bit of pink um, and, and even for us blokes, who, who doesn't like a bit of pink in their drink? So it's, and it does, and importantly for a gin and tonic, we, we don't, we've done all that hard work ahead to still Adam Chapman doing an amazing job. We don't want to overwhelm his hard work and that beautiful balanced blend of botanicals with a garnish that potentially overwhelms the gin. So the the pomegranate seeds is the signature serve with that one. Where did you get the idea to start Sunshine and Sons? Well, look, my my co-founder, Michael, he had a long background, including in brewing at Newstead Brewing in Brisbane. Oh, yeah. um, Fine dining and restaurants, um, well known to many two small rooms and restaurant two. Really iconic Brisbane fine dining. Um, Yeah. So... We're great mates. We had a discussion in 2018 of why doesn't the Sunshine Coast have a big spirits brand? And in particular, why doesn't it have a, a, a rum brand? Because, of course, the Sunshine Coast has been producing sugarcane, incredible quality sugarcane, yeah. at scale for a very long time. Um, so we're passionate about rum. We had a discussion and at that discussion and, this, and then we decided Leap of faith, we'd create the Sunshine and Sons, a gin-led brand, yep. and right alongside that we'd create our Nil Desperandum rum brand. So that was at the end of 2018. We travelled in 2019, went around the world, had a look at what was happening in craft distilling, particularly in the US where some of the big trends that we see in the drinks industry come from. Mm-hmm. Met some amazing distillers, tasted some amazing product, looked at what was happening in the Caribbean, in the rum space. Interestingly, in Australia, despite rum, rum was there at the beginning, mm. like 60,000 litres of rum ar- arrived on those 11 tiny ships, Port Jackson, 1788, a huge quantity of rum. So there's only 1,400 people. You do the mass 60,000 litres of rum with 1,400 people. It's a party. It's a, it's a big party. And in, indeed, the early days of Australia were characterised by one big ongoing party amongst yep. all the hardship. Yep. And we've been rum drinkers for a very long time. Certainly, Michael and I, we shared the view that it was about time Australia stepped up and we put an Australian rum in the category of one of the world's best rums. We want, that's what we want to do. Right. We want to make Australia's finest rum right here on the Sunshine Coast. Nil desperandum. Ex- exactly the right pronunciation. But what does it mean, Matt? Well, well it's from the Latin, nothing to despair. Ah, so, and, we, and that, that, as Latin became less relevant, Australians adopted nil desperandum and nothing to despair yep. as that modern laconic expression of no worries. Oh. We, we, we literally say nil desperandum all the time. You're I, I making this up. I, th- there's books that prove that I'm not. So This is m- magic. So, look, we approach our lives, our business. There's nothing left back. We give everything a go. We leave our worries behind because in small business, you absolutely have to. You, you, can't, you can't have one foot behind you, behind the line. You've got to just go. So we love that story. It's a story close to the heart of Wombai, our hometown, yeah. where the distillery is. The first pub in that town in 1871 was the Nil Desperandum. It was at what was then Cobb's Camp, now modern-day Wombai. Yep. Cobb's Camp, of course, was the halfway stop on the two-day horse and carriage journey to the Gympie Goldfields. Yeah. Gympie. Gold rush commenced. Gold was discovered in 1867. Up until that time, this area, not called the Sunshine Coast at that time, it was called the Near North Coast, yeah. was considered impassable. It was swampy, 
many rivers, heavily vegetated. Lots of those elements remain, but of course, modern road making and engineering dictates that we can easily yeah. move around the Sunshine Coast. Horses and carriages were stopping um, on the, on that on that single overnight on that journey yeah. at what was then Cobb's Camp, now Wombai. A very enterprising gentleman that certainly is an inspiration for us was James Costar, the publican. If, if people, and we'd love them to visit the distillery, um, we're open every day from 10 a.m. Yeah. You'll see our still Sarah and Maria, named respectively after his beautiful wife and his lovely mother, Maria Lamore. So Sarah and Maria do all the hard work in the distillery. <laughs> but we, we, nice touch. Well, the, the ladies are the hard workers in, in our distillery, just like they are at my home. My wife does obviously an incredible job. Tell me well. about it, mate. I've been married 31 years <laughs> and I'm the happiest bloke in the world. Yeah. Well, well, you have to be. Behind yeah. every great man, there's an even better woman yeah. pushing them along. Yeah. So, yeah, Neil, Neil Esperandum, James Coaster, an enterprising guy. Would, he was certainly known to be enterprising by the local constabulary. He was charged several times for sly grogging right. back in the late 1860s here in, on the Sunshine Coast. Right. Selling fermented ales and spirituous liquors without a licence. Yes. So the magistrate, he was obviously a great guy that was had the interests of the drinker at heart. Despite the protests of the constabulary, he issued James a licence in 1871 and the Nil became that iconic destination for travellers, thirsty travellers on that road. North. The magistrate probably took a bribe is what was I, going on. I, I reckon he would have had a few rums <laughs> under his belt when he issued it possibly. So, so. Wow. And so you're there now and you're, you're making the future out of this history. Oh, absolutely. Like our brand and many others on the coast, it's, it's about local, it's about story. We know when we frame up in the market, we can't compete with the big multinationals that have the big budgets and the, the huge teams and the huge spend that are able to out-market us, out-advertise, but they can't do local. It's not their gig. So, but it's certainly ours and others on the coast, and, and we're absolutely proud about where we are, where we where we live, what the history of the coast. There's story after story within our story that we love telling people about why why we're special. Why are you proud of the place? What's your history with the Sunshine Coast? Well, I, I did grow up in cold and w- wintry Victoria. I'll say it hand on heart. M- Michael, my business partner, he loves introducing me as, as Victorian. But look, I, I've lived in southeast Queensland for over 30 years. Yes. Predominantly in Brisbane. You're here in board shorts. Oh, oh the boardies are on. Yeah. Um, you, you won't often find me in long pants, I no. can tell you that. Yeah. But yeah, look, southeast Queensland and Sunshine Coast was always that. As soon as I discovered it, which was in my late teens. Yeah. It's just been that that pilgrimage. You keep drawing back, drawing back, and um, what part of it did you discover first? Oh, look, I, I think that my first memory of coming to the Sunshine Coast was Coolum Beach mm-hmm. at a particular Christmas with friends, and and wow, what, and that's still a favourite place of mine. It's just you've got this cracking view from the road across the water. Just a really laid back atmosphere, which is mirrored elsewhere on the coast. Coolum Beach, as much as any beach on the Sunshine Coast, gives to me a feeling of wilderness. It's a big, hearty stretch of beach that um, faces east, and when it's perfect, it is perfect. And when it's not perfect, it's a mighty place to be with everything elevated, and that is the wind and the sea. It's a it's a really wilderness-style beach, if you ask me. Absolutely. I, my, my local beach in Victoria was the 90-mile beach down, uh-huh. down in Gippsland, where I grew up. Yes. Um, so that that wild, wildness of, of – you express it really well. It's mm. that, again, you've got something that's 
very warm and welcoming, mm-hmm. but it's got some realness. It's yeah. it's like lots of the coast. It's yeah. not it's not overly polished. Great place to visit, and you've got all the all the elements combined to make it really magic. So you look a little bit younger than me. So I'm saying a, a bit younger than me. I was being you know uh, funny. So I'm saying that the teenage years for you would have been in the 1990s. Uh, is that is that right? Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. Then uh, I was coming out of my teens by 1990. Okay, so, so I might, might be a, a little older than you think. Okay, so, so that ni- late 1980s, 1990s. This is when you first hit the Sunshine Coast yourself, and Coolum was your spot. Where did you explore after that? Well, I think we had lots of people that lived again in the hinterland. That again, people I knew, people I visited, and that was again another discovery. I grew up in a part of Australia that's super green and lush. Mm-hmm. So that discovering the hinterland that not only had these this lineup of incredible beaches one after the other all yeah. the way up the coast yeah. um, is sport for choice yeah but then then to discover into the hinterland that you've got this incredible rolling hillsides and spectacular views and access to sunrises and sunsets and uh, again like it's it's all so compact it's not you're not driving for hundreds of kilometres to see one special part and then do a U-turn and come back to see another. It's it's all there. It's How so good close. are our waterfalls? Oh, a- absolutely. So you've got Kurilpas just up the road from us. You see, again, this ancient landscape merged into the present day. You can't help but visit those places and just feel revitalised and loved by the earth. It's a great place to be. It's a place called Gardner's Falls, which I didn't know about uh, until, you know, my at least 20s or 30s. I didn't know it existed for 10 or 15 or 20 years. And it's just there. And it's this beautiful waterfall with a swimming hole in it. It's, it's just like it's the Garden of Eden. Absolutely. And, and the coast is that constant discovery. Even for a local, it's, you're constantly discovering. Yeah. There's yeah. I, I don't think you can you can see it all. It just keeps it's again things that are popping out at you. You're being told about. You're getting to experience. Yeah. What a, what a great place. So when did you make the move to get here permanently? Uh, we've we've lived on the coast for five years. Yep. Again, that's coincided with the commencement of the business and that b- yep. business growing. I don't think I'm going anywhere. I don't think you'll be able to leverage me off. Certainly, the acre- acreage we're on now. It's at Wombai, near Wombai. It's right next to the big pineapple. We've got some big plans for that site. We're a small business now. We're already the third largest producer of rum in Australia. We're just hang on there. You are the third largest producer of rum in Australia. Proudly the third, which is, which is of course, is a long way behind the big guys. Um, and we're, so we're assuming Bundaberg Rum's the number one. Yeah, I am Bundaberg by daylight. And then let me let me take a guess here. I'm going to say it's another. Well, I don't know what it would be. It's it's standing there in front of me. So ten years ago, twenty years ago, I would have said Bean Lee. It uh, is still Bean Lee. Ah, right. So it's still Bean Lee, which is just south of Brisbane. A great, but both places great to visit. Yep. Um, like I think the the rum community in Australia is super close. We know yep. lots of people. We're friends with these guys. So you're third behind those two uh, historic big brands. The big brands, and of, of course, craft distilling, of which we're part of. We're really we're only thirty years into that change from limitations within the federal legislation that you had to be a big distiller or you weren't a distiller. That was pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. You had to have a capacity at a certain scale that was capital intensive and cost prohibitive. It's changed now. So you've got this explosion of craft distilling happening, following in the footsteps of the brewers, of course, all over Australia, including here on the Sunshine Coast. There's over 10 great distilleries here on the coast already, and I'm sure more to come, which is super exciting. People love local and there's great opportunities to 
take steps into supporting more and more local. Isn't that incredible? Ten distilleries already here on the Sunshine Coast. That is amazing. We've just done a series of uh, podcasts, uh, and this is a part of it. This is an annex to that, an extension of craft beers, independent breweries, and there are, you know, 20-odd of those here on the coast. And I thought that was fast growth. I'm thinking the distillery industry may even be faster than that. I think that the, the take up is absolutely. I think the the great guys that they do great work at Fortune with involved with land and sea brewing were absolutely the first. But that that's their distilling elements probably only a short time ago relative to that history of brewing on the coast. So the reality is distilling is not the barriers to entry are quite low. Certainly in the white spirit space, it's different in rum, of course, because you're aging spirit for a minimum of two years by law. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's again lots of people certainly are going well. Let's let's have a go, which is super exciting. We see some great things and Sunshine Coast stories. Many of them already winning awards. We're looking forward to seeing Queensland really step up, embrace that yeah, craft spirit, craft brewing, and take and take that really push that agenda. So we, we love being involved in our community of distillers and brewers. I repeated that number right then, didn't I? Ten, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years. It's yeah. I'm I'm, I'm flabbergasted. So, Isn't it fantastic? Yeah. So you've come here five years ago. Where were you before that? My career wasn't in the food and beverage space, yep. which I kick myself every day it wasn't because it's it's absolutely tough to run a business while you're learning an industry. Mm-hmm. And of course, alcohol is a very competitive space yeah. with some yeah. very challenging dynamics, yeah. which include excise tax, of course. I'm not sure if your other brewers and distillers have mentioned that. but that's, Just hit me with that. Well, that's indexed every six months. It's one of the very few taxes that ratchet up more frequently than yearly. So on a bottle of our gin that retails typically for $80, of course, there's a wholesale and a retail margin in there. But as that bottle leaves our distillery, there's over $28 of excise tax collected by the federal government. GST, of course, is additional. It's one eleventh of the retail price. Everyone will be familiar with that. But yeah, over $35 of that bottle is tax. So when you're a small business making incredible product, it's a very challenging environment to manage such a heavy tax burden. It's this invisible wall. On this side of the wall, it's a $60 bottle, and on the other side of the invisible wall, it's a $90 bottle. Absolutely. And, and often because craft it is seen as consumers as premium and expensive. Yes. And often it is relative yes. to the yes. imported product. But, of course, when you're running a small business, you don't have the opportunity to sort of loss lead on certain products to gain market share of others. But yeah, when we explain to consumers that, look, not only is this tax expensive now, but it's ratcheting up every six months. Now, B- buy now. <laughs> buy <laughs> well, now. <laughs> well, we love their support. We, we, and, and again, we, we love that local support that our business and many others get. So what were you doing before you are doing this? Well, I had an absolutely amazing job traveling the world, buying and selling aeroplanes. I've been in the airline industry for over 35 years. Yeah. And- and had a great time seeing the world, often through the bottom of a rum glass, hence the, hence the love of fine rum, yeah. and and watching and helping airlines grow. Uh, most recently with a, um, some great, who are still great friends of mine at Alliance Airlines in Brisbane. They're, right. they're a large provider of fly-in, fly-out mining services and wet lease capacity to other airlines, including Qantas and Virgin. So I spent 10 years with them doing some really exciting stuff, growing their fleet, 
but there was time, not not because of COVID. Many people quite correctly asked the question: Did you have to have to leave aviation because it was all a mess during COVID? Quite the opposite. Alliance went on a rocket ride. They grew three times their size as a result of the pandemic. That in a niche spot, able to offer some very creative solutions to mining companies and others. But we were flabbergasted. The growth of the Sunshine and Suns brand's been phenomenal. So we had a situation where I'd intended to earn a bigger wage and do a smaller amount of involvement in the business. Yeah. The 2020 onwards, just we were on a rocket ride. Our gin went crazy. It went everywhere. We added people. We grew. And it wasn't a choice to moonlight running the business. I had to, yeah, leave aside that really well-paid job and and pay my own wage, which I'm not as generous as my previous (laughs) bosses. And you could have chosen anywhere, but you chose the Sunshine Coast and and you chose Wombai. Well, I think the the Sunshine Coast is it's compelling for a number of reasons. Again, it's as far as building a brand off a story and a place, you've got to be sincere. You've got to be well. In my opinion, those best brands they're strong because they've got real belief and of real course. love behind them. If a, we're inspired by the guys at Stone and Wood, good friends of ours, that are the iconic Byron Bay brand in that beverage space. So we take some inspiration of what they've achieved. And, and in time, we, we absolutely have an ambition to do similar off the off the coast here. We've got great ingredients that we'd love to use. We've got great friends in the pineapple industry. We Sunshine Coast, big grower of pineapples. Of course, we have a one of our cane spirit products, original cane. We source that cane down at Veldora on the Marucci River. Oh, yeah. Uh, a fourth generation family, the Gordon Oaks. He's, he's famous, amongst other things, for never wearing shoes, um, like many cane farmers. So it's a sight to see when he, he, he walks across the rocks in, in bare feet. But look, it's it's a great place. We're very fortunate, the big pineapple of which we're a tenant, um, it has some very unique zoning. So um, unfortunately, despite recent lobbying efforts, Queensland breweries and distilleries are locked out from developing on rural zone land. That's why here on the coast and many and, and everywhere else in Queensland, your typical brewery and distillery experience is going to be in an industrial area. Some beautiful tilt slab buildings and lot, lots of nicety around that, quite architectural in many cases. But we had ambitions to absolutely be out in the rural rainforest part of the coast. And we're able to do that with some historical zoning that still exists to this day because of the prior use, uh, precedent use of the big pineapple. Okay. So we've got not only a a stunning backdrop with rainforest everywhere, but we've got some ability to produce large volume of spirits in a pristine environment, which we, we, we absolutely feel we're custodians of. So very lucky to be doing what we're doing where we're doing it, Paul. And what do you produce? Well, as I mentioned, our Sunshine and Sun's original dry gin's our biggest seller. Yep. Alongside that, we have an incredible local inspired product, which is a pineapple parfait gin. Wow. If you ever, you probably did visit the Big Pineapple back in its heyday. I had my 13th birthday at the Big Pineapple. I'm now 57 years of age. My daughter, Asia, who's now 29, had her sixth birthday at the Big Pineapple. My son, Henry, who was 26, had his fourth birthday at the Big Pineapple. Have a guess what all of us had on each of those occasions. Well, if with a bit of luck, it may have been a pineapple parfait. So <laughs> That is a true story. So those beautiful desserts, which are obviously a real nostalgic memory for many people. <laughs> oh, it is for me. And we wanted to absolutely put that nostalgia in a bottle. So it's pineapple, passion fruit, strawberry and mango with coconut and vanilla. Wow. It's not a sweet gin. Many people expect it to be sweet, but yep. we're not about adding sugar to our products. But 
It makes incredible gin and tonic, signature garnishes, a wedge of watermelon, super, super fruity. And it makes a one of our signature drinks is a coast sunset where we pineapple parfait gin over ice with tropical juice and a splash of grenadine. It, it literally looks like the sun is setting in the glass. It's pretty special. Could you get a little wafer biscuit to be, uh, <laughs> you know, like the parfaits, a little crunchy a- wafer a- Absolutely. One of those triangle wafers <sighs> on top, you, you're probably there. You have taken me back. You, you have taken me back. That is, uh, that's yeah. a beautiful thing. Yes. Well, it's, look, we're, we're, again, these stories that we're inspired by that heritage and, and again, we've, we've had some people, they're almost in tears when we talk about those days that we experienced at the Big Pineapple. Over a million people a year visited in the early 80s. Hard to believe now. It's certainly not um, used in that style, but fingers crossed, it's geographically right in the centre of the coast. It's halfway between Noosa and Caloundra, halfway between Mooloolabar and Montville. It's, it'll, be, it'll go again, and we want to be part of that. And that beautiful thing that... Uh Australia is known for, the big thing, the big item, that big pineapple is still there. It's looking a million bucks. So it's obviously been refurbished fairly recently. And even though the big pineapple might not be what it is, the big pineapple is still there and and, and what a beacon. Absolutely. You'll see that every day. People pull up in their cars or get the kids out and have photos in front of the big pineapple. It's, not, it's certainly not as big as what I remember when I was younger. <laughs> I think that's something to do with our age or something. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we, we've grown into giants, I think. Um, but, yeah, look, it's, it's heritage listed, so it's not going anywhere. And I think there's a lot of interest on the coast that really want to see that site, um, yeah, again, capture those glory days in the future. And, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those supporters, so fingers crossed that happens. So where are you at with your, with your growth or with your, with your business? So you've got these couple of leading iconic products. What's for the future? Well, I think next year we're, we've got a national release of our Nil Desperandum rum. So in that craft rum space, it's there, there are other players, of course, and there's none on the coast, making a sort of premium um, sipping style rum. The major retailers have always been big supporters of our business right from the beginning, which is very fortunate because, of course, without their support during the pandemic, we would have, yeah, I'd probably be living in a caravan park somewhere on the coast um, with my wife complaining that the, our dreams of a, a big success weren't, um, didn't transpire. But we're, we're working with the national retailers and, and several other parties on, we've got rum at scale. We've got quality, we've got volume. So when the big retailers, when they speak to a Sunshine Coast brand, potentially one of the limitations is capacity. You've got to have scale, you've got to have volume, you've got to have investment and capital to fill those shelves through those big outlets um, across Australia, for example. Yeah. It hasn't been easy, as I mentioned, run by Australian laws aged for two years. We're, we're big believers in that. There's certainly others that they may be a bit grey in that area, but we've invested very significant amounts of effort, time and money to have that stock aged in barrel there's a very significant quantity of rum that's ready to go into market next year that follows on a series of very successful small um, limited edition releases this year. But we hope to see that that rum right across Australia made right here on the Sunshine Coast from around March. So we're super excited. That's incredible. And where will it sit on the shelf? Is it a premium product? Is it a loss leader product? Where is it? Well, I think that we're aware of the belief that incredible spirit's not that incredible if it's sitting on a shelf. It's, it's got to get into people's baskets for a new brand. It, it's going to be priced competitively. We're looking around, yeah, we'd, we'd like the number to start with a six, which is almost unheard of in the, the quality and the what we've got in bottle. 
that but that initial product we, we want to be aggressive with pricing yep. yeah we're having some conversations with the bank at the moment to get some more money to fund some of that investment yes, yes. Um, but again that's that's part of growth we'll certainly have products that are significantly more expensive than that excuse me and do but, you think that you'll expand your product range as well in the future I, I think the the, the rums the, the rums will naturally grow in the range as, as we reach more age statements. Mm. Obviously, the world of brown spirits of course. Yep. In, includes a lot of focus on how long has it been in a barrel. Yes. So that two years being the minimum starting point, that's not the end point. We're, we're even planning, if all goes well, we'll have a licensed Olympic edition rum released for 2032. Oh, right. Because, of course, we're planning that now. We, we can't magic- But you've got to. We can't magically create a 10-year-old rum Six months before the Olympics kick off in Brisbane, nineteenth uh, in uh, in twenty thirty two. So so we've got barrels already that are earmarked, targeted, absolutely for what happens next. So <laughs> they're just sitting there in the corner. Oh, it's it, and and again, it's tempting. <laughs> sitting it's, there, <laughs> there they are. <laughs> they're just demanding attention, but of course you've got to um, play a little hard to get as you walk past. So so. Wow. But, but we love, of course, we love people coming to see. Like they'll be able to come and see that ageing effort. Yep. Again, we're, we're a real business. We've got a very production-focused visitation experience. It's all about what we're making. It's We, we don't have a fancy white-tiled bar with stainless steel everywhere. You get up close and personal with what we're doing, the people that are in our business making these amazing, incredible products. As I mentioned, Adam Chapman doing a great job as our head distiller, acknowledged through many distilleries across Australia as one of the very best and, and most knowledgeable distillers going around. So how'd you get him? Well, he'd been in winemaking for a long time mm-hmm. um, and another iconic Queensland brand, Surame, oh, yeah. um, Terry Morris's famous winery down at Redlands to the south of Brisbane. In Mount Cotton, yeah. At Mount Cotton. Yeah. Um, look, he's... Uh, Surame is Morris, T. T. Uh, T. Morris, Morris backwards. Yeah, yeah. Terry Edward Morris um, backwards. Yeah. Um, so, look, Adam's as passionate about pushing the boundaries of Australian rum as we are. It didn't take much to get him. Yeah, he's not, he's, he's not going anywhere. He's, he's on an absolute burning ambition to put an Australian rum in that category of one of the world's best. Um, we, we'll, we'll know when we've made it. It's going to take a long time to do it. But when we visit New York or London or Paris and you walk into one of the best bars, we want to see our rum on the back bar. That's, that's the ambition, right? It's got to start here on the Sunshine Coast, but we've got yeah, humble ambitions to be to make, to make a big deal. If you need any taste testers, let me know. Well, of course, come come out and there's there's plenty to taste. So, uh, Matt, Sunshine and Sons, cheers. Cheers, Paul. No worries. Neil Desperando. <laughs> Thanks for listening to In Pursuit of Hoppiness, the spirit series, made possible by Visit Sunshine Coast. If you want to learn more about the great distilleries and craft breweries in our region, crack the top of the Visit Sunshine Coast website and look for Australia's craft beer capital. And if you want to listen to more episodes, you can get them there too. For the money.